Welcome to BX, Beyond Stereotypes, a podcast about lawyers using their authentic voices to change the world. You never know where this life is going to take you and what opportunities are going to present themselves. And I'm kind of the person that's open to hearing hearing the idea, right? Like, I've, I've never been the type that's just closed off an opportunity because you don't ever know where it's going to land you. Even things that you don't necessarily deem as successes when it's over, it gets you to a new place, it allows you to meet a new person, and I've always found that there's some glimmer of light no matter how it kind of actually turns out. Welcome to BS, Beyond Stereotypes. I'm your host, Merle Vaughn. Here to BS with me today is Sierra Elizabeth. Uh, Sierra is fascinating, at least I think so, and I think you guys will think so as well. Um, She is a lawyer, uh, she is a business owner, and she's actually had a wine named after her, or at least with her picture on it. So, I mean, and that's, that's only the beginning. So, welcome, Sierra. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Merle, and I love the title of your podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, everybody needs to BS a little bit every now and then, right? <laughs> I agree. Totally agree. Okay, so here's the deal. The first thing I need to get out of the way, and I know you get tired of hearing about this and tired of talking about this, but if people Google you, they're, they're probably, they might find this. Um, and I think it's relevant to our stereotypes conversation, so I'm going to start with it, is your parents. And I know that your, both your parents are entertainers. Um, your mom was actually in, in the, the movie Roots, and your father was one of the later temptations. Um, and so, I mean, that's fascinating in and of itself, but what I find fascinating about it is that you chose to be a lawyer. Temptations, as well as the Drifters, and um, I spent many um, days and nights as a kid at Barry Gordy's house, uh, the founder and owner of Motown. Um, my aunt is the executive producer of Blackish and Grownish and Mixish, Mixish, um, and I'm sure plenty more coming down the pipe. Um, so they always encouraged me to become an entertainer. So as a young girl. Um, you know, I was in all of the talent shows, and I sang for commercials with Michael Jackson and um, many others, um, and that was kind of my life, but I hated it. I was so, so shy, um, which if you know me now, no one would ever believe. Um, no, exactly. <laughs> I got so nervous for everything, and I always felt like 
there was this huge personalities in my family that I did not live up to. Um, and so, like many, you know, children growing up in a family where their parents are, for example, lawyers and doctors and they want to be a musician or a model, I was the kid who was in the entertainment family and wanted to be something very conservative, um, but also that would allow me to get paid every two weeks because my parents made, you know, <laughs> a billion dollars one year and zero dollars the next. So it was very kind of an up and down um, so I kind of gravita gravitated to, you know, the, the professions in which you can sit in an office and get a title and make some money. Um, so that's kind of what led me to the direction of becoming an attorney. Um, but I just, honestly, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I was a kid in law school that loved every class and like studied the extra cases and did all that. So, um, although kind of, I chose it because it was trying to run away from something, I felt like I really found my calling. So that, that worked out well. So, okay, and I would be remiss if I did not mention your credentials. And I'm, I, I should have started with that, but you know, we're BSing, so what difference does it make? <laughs> so, I mean, you grew up in LA, you attended um, uh, Michigan, uh, which is an amazing school oh, undergrad. Look. Yeah, uh, and, and you uh, were an all-American track star and a point guard on the basketball team. I mean, we have so many stereotypes we, we could like get beyond right <laughs> just up until that point. And, and then you 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 got in one of the best law schools, um, Duke Law School. Went and got your JD. And you all did you also get a I also got a master's in psychology at the same time. You'll see, so Merle, this, there's going to be a theme, okay, with, with who is Sierra Elizabeth. I'm never kind of content doing just one thing. So, so as you noted, you know, in college, okay. I was a double major, um, and I played two sports um, and was an All-American. In law school, I couldn't just get my law degree. I had to get a master's degree. In my career at my law firm, not just a partner, but I also run – um, my own business. So I don't quite uh, do well with like uh, limiting myself, <laughs> um, which is sometimes good. Because I think this is one of the things that's, that's fascinating um, about you and your career and what you decided to do. And, and you just decided that it sounds like whatever you think you want to do, you're willing to try it. Um, yeah. No. And 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 you're successful. You you you've been successful at it all. Well, you know, going back to that part about being the shy kid, it really is true. I think you know, I portray myself as an extrovert, but internally, I I, I do have a lot of traits that are more like an introvert. And I and I have this pivotal um, recollection in my life of being like. 12 or 13 years old, I think I was about 13, and I was about to go to high school, and, um, you know, I kind of just decided one day that being the shy kid was not really getting me to where I wanted to go, and I was just going to get out of my comfort zone in this new kind of stage in my life where people didn't really know me, and I could kind of start fresh, um, and I just did it, and when I did that, it quote unquote worked, and that's kind of how I've 
looked at every kind of hurdle or problem going forward. It's not that I want to do it or I'm comfortable doing it. I'm, I'm comfortable trying and getting out of my comfort zone and generally it works out okay. Um, so I think that's kind of just been my, my, my way and, and, you know, it's it ended up being pretty good. Good. So, so to, to our, the point of our, our conversation here, what, what stereotypes do you feel people make about you when they see you or they encounter you? And, you know, have you thought about that and why, and, you know, are any of them right or are they wrong? Uh, well, I think most of them are probably wrong. So I always get, you know, when people first see me, they don't think I'm a lawyer. Um, mm -hmm. I don't ever really know how to take that because they don't really express why they don't think I'm a lawyer. But I always get the, you know, oh, you, you're a lawyer? Or, you know, for, for clients, you're my lawyer? <laughs> right. um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think a lot of things um, can I kind of go into that, at least from my educated guess, which would be, you know, I'm a young-looking African-American female. Um, in my profession, there are just not many of us. Um, you know, when I hopefully make share partner at my firm, um, you know, within the next year or so, I will be the first ever African-American female to do so that started at the firm. Um, you know, we are wow. still in the land of first. Uh, believe it or not. So, you know, it's not unexpected for people to look at me and, and not think that I necessarily belong. Um, with that being said, I do think there's a stereotype, um, you know, in my view about black women being, you know, aggressive or strong or kind of, you know, not taking any mess. Um, and I do think that that's true about myself sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that one. I think I channel it in, in positive and productive ways. But, um, you know, I, I, do, um, I do carry some of those traits that I think um, are sometimes stereotypical. I get that, too. I, what, what I get is you're intimidating, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I used to feel that used to make me feel bad because like, who, who wants to be intimidating? I read, I read something, the other, but now I just, I just go with it. Right. Cause that's just who it is. And, but, but I, I read something the other day that said that you're not intimidating. They are intimidated. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and those are two very different things. Um, but you still have, I mean, you're a, you're a partner at Kirkland, one of the, one of the biggest and most, most uh, uh, exclusive uh, firms in the, in the country, if not the world. And how have you been able to, like, make your way through that very, you know, conservative, um, conservative environment, but still be yourself because there is nothing conservative about you when, when one looks at you. <laughs> right. I mean, they're yeah, not, I mean, this is what I love. This is what I love, you know? So how, how have you been at, I mean, are you just so damn smart that it doesn't is it, matter? Is it, is it my long blonde hair or the nails that I paint with ice cream cones or something else you're referring to, Merle? It um, could be. All of the above, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. I think that the way that I put it is, 
you know, you should always be at a place in which you can feel comfortably yourself. Um, with that being said, um, Kirkland is a business, any other law firm or any other profession is, is a business. And so there are rules of professionalism, et cetera, that I think you need to um, be aware of and to some extent abide by. And the more credibility that you have and the longer you're there uh, to show kind of your worth um, in areas that matter, you get a little bit more of a pass on all of the other things that are uniquely you that don't necessarily fit into that setting very well. So what I always tell people like kind of going into the setting is, you know, for, for black women, for example, hair is a big issue, right? And associates, incoming associates ask me all the time, like, do I need to change my hair to become more conservative to start at this firm? And, and, I, and I very clearly say, listen, if you don't want to be at a place where you can't wear your hair naturally or the way that you want to do it, don't go to that place. Um, right. But, but with that being said, uh, what I did was I thought this was a good place for me for example, and um, I may have kind of um, gravitated to a more conservative look when I first started because no one knows, you know, really whether I can do this job or how smart I am or how great of a trial lawyer I am. And once I was able to showcase those um, talents, I can wear my hair however I want. <laughs> because it's now my client, and I'm winning, and I'm making the firm money, and all of that stuff. So you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a gradual process. I think I think oftentimes people want to let it all out all in the beginning, and I don't think that that's necessarily the right thing to do because you know, first impressions matter, right? So, um, so I think you know, there's there's a little bit of a hybrid there, but in terms of the the intimidating kind of stereotype, I agree with you. I think most people are intimidated. Um, and so you do have to take that into account. I mean, um, one of the strategies that I've always used, which is a little bit controversial, I don't know, um, you know, whether other people do the same, but, you know, I always kind of have a, um, I don't know, like a support, a, a cheerleader, um, a sponsor who, yeah get to get away with, you know, the positive stereotypes like, you know, they're trustworthy, they're smart, they're capable that I might not be able to get away with, and I use that person to vouch for me. So, you know, before I go into a client pitch, for example, I'll call that ally. Generally, they're a white male, and I'll say, hey, put in a good word for me with X client because you know such and such and you get to go to the golf tournaments and to the events that I'm not invited to. Um, and so when I walk into that room, I still am the young black girl with blonde hair and ice cream cone nails, but I've gotten, <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten kind of the stamp of approval in advance. So, you know, I'm a little bit easier to swallow. Yeah, and so and, and it's, it's, I'm really glad you mentioned the sponsor because I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about that, that, you know, you had to have had people who recognize, you know, how smart you are and how capable in it you are. Um, what did you do? Did, are, there, are there things that you did to, to uh, figure out who those, the, the best people would be and to um, develop relationships with them? And, and the second part of that question, is as a, a black girl, 
How did you figure out to do that? Well, first of all, there is no real handbook. And second of all, um, I think myself included, but a lot of people in, in my community struggle with that second piece because you right. don't have many people that you can look to that have done it before. Um, and that was certainly right. me. I, mean, I didn't have any lawyers in my family. Um, I didn't have any lawyer friends even. So kind of getting into this, it was a lot of, you know, um, developing a relationship, even starting in law school and before law school for people who had lawyers in their family or had gone to a law firm or could get me a recommendation because I didn't have that network kind of pre-built in. Um, but in terms of, you know, how I found the people that are right for me, I think this kind of dovetails with your question about being your authentic self. I mean, as a, um, as a former athlete, um, I really, really love sports. And so instead of going into a room and talking, trying to sound smart about a topic that I don't know about because I wasn't educated <laughs> on it or it's not something that my friends and I talk about, um, you know, I talked about sports and most of my kind of mentors and sponsors just happen to be people that like sports because guess what? We had that in common. We were able to right. develop a real relationship over, you know, a commonality that um, helped us both um, with respect to kind of our mentoring relationship and our sponsoring relationship going forward because it wasn't just fake. It wasn't just, you know, I'm at this networking event and I'm, you know, making things up because I want you to really support me. It's like, no, I really have an interest in Sierra because I think she's great in other ways, right? So, you know, I've always kind of approached networking and, and opportunities to be um, in front of your peers as ways to just really develop genuine relationships based on what I really like. I'm not a good, you know, Luffer, I don't fake the funk very well. I kind of say what I mean and what I think, and I'm right. okay with being wrong or being called out and having a nice debate about it. So I think that's kind of how I've always approached it. Cool, very good. I think that's excellent advice. Um, and but again, it's not easy for everybody. So in 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 a lot of respects. Um, uh, you're kind of a unicorn that you were able to, to to figure that out and make it work for you. So just to, to switch from law, um, I was reading an article um, about your your uh, new venture, and one of the things you said about you know developing your own fashion line and and all that was that you know you dealt with you know, kind of feeling like an imposter, like, you know, kind of the imposter syndrome that I think we all have in these environments. Um, uh, but, but that kind of, it sounds like that was one of the things, again, your theme, if it's if it, if hard, try it, right, um, that, that caused you to, to embark on, on this new venture. So can you, can you tell us what, what uh, Soup Kits is and then, Talk to us about why why you started it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Suitkits is an e-commerce platform that allows women to design their own custom suits online that fit their body, their job, and their style in ten minutes or less. So, um, it's been a really, really, really cool project that I started. I guess started thinking about you know since basically I became a lawyer. 
but really kind of put pen to paper um, in 2017, and we um, did our kind of e-commerce launch at the end of 2018. Um, to your point, uh, well, first of all, I started the business because I, being a lawyer myself and being a trial lawyer who um, has a particular need for suits, um, I thought that there was a need in the market and a gap in the market, um, and our survey research kind of bore that out. Um, but also, kind of back to my, my point, I didn't know anything about starting a business or building a team. I didn't know anything about fashion, generally, other than people say I dress well. Um, you know, I had never studied it. Um, and so, just like anything else I tackled, you know, I kind of really dug in and tried to learn as much as I could. I developed um, a team of amazing people who are in the fashion industry um, uh, or, you know, in e-commerce, et cetera, that could guide and help me um, through the journey. Um, and, you know, ultimately, one day I said, I'm never going to start this unless I make kind of that first step in getting out of right. my comfort zone. So I went on a legal Zoom and, you know, I applied for an LLC. And however much it cost, it probably cost a couple hundred dollars or something, it kind of just was the step that I needed to say, okay, I'm actually doing this, right? Because a lot of people have great ideas um, and, you know, they talk about executing all the time, but it actually never happens. And I, and I even right. felt like, you know, well, maybe somebody else will do it or, you know, maybe this is just a silly idea or whatever. And you start to talk yourself out of it unless you kind of take those steps to kind of really, like, make sure that she really can't turn back. <laughs> and that's have what I little, did. Have a little skin in the game, huh? That's right. That's right. How does that work? I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated by it, and I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea. But you still have your day job. So, you know, how, does, how, does, how did the firm react to that? You know, it, how does that work? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And it changes. The Thank answer you. changes every day in terms of, Balancing the two, that is, man, that will take a whole podcast um, by itself to explain. Um, the great part sure. right now is, um, like I said, I do have a great team, and so I do not by any means, like, manage the business on the day-to-day. -day. Um, I'm involved, obviously. I am the CEO, so I make all of the important decisions. But for the most part, the business can run um, without me, which is great. Um, right. And that, that's what you have to have in order to have a full-time job because, as you know, I don't have just a full-time job. I have a full, full-time job where right. you know, before corona I was on a plane every week. So, um, so, but with that being said, I think when you find things that you do that you love, it makes it that much easier, right? Like when I first started this journey, I don't think I really slept for about a year and a half, like, like, no joke. I mean, I worked every single day for a year and a half, and I probably averaged four hours of maybe five on a good week of sleep a night. And that's just what I had to do to be able to get it done. A lot of people don't have the stomach for that, um, and I get it. Uh, and I was quite burnt out after that, so I had to figure out ways to, <laughs> to not make that my entire existence, right? Um, but right. both with the law and with Sukip, I, I love – so many aspects of each that it takes away that like you know grind feeling that often people have in their jobs or their careers where you're just trying to like put one foot in front of the other 
you know, and make it to the next paycheck. I really am enjoying what I'm doing. And so it takes kind of that work part out of it. And it's really about, you know, meeting your goals and creating amazing products and, you know, having successes with your team. And, and that's what you really kind of look forward to and what keeps you going. Where do you see yourself? Um, I, you know, you're, you, I, I predict you'll make share partner soon. Um, I predict it Yeah. So I mean, so so that's that's a, that's in the stars, and then and then you know you've got this business. I mean, is there another business coming? Do you you know? I I know that you also. <laughs> I know that you also uh, have done some uh, commentating. You have some legal commentating. Is that something you'd like to get back to? I mean, it sounds. It seems like to me the sky's the li limit for Sierra Elizabeth, and um, you know. And I, I I just think that it's 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 really uh, important for people to understand that they don't have to live their 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 lives in fear um, or in boxes. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I appreciate that, Merle. Um, you know, I think the sky is the limit, really. Um, whatever. I don't think I'm. You know, you know, people say never say never. I've always had right. that mindset. Um, you never know where this life is going to take you, and what opportunities are going to present themselves. And I'm kind of the person that's open to hearing hearing the idea, right? Like I've I've never been the type that's just closed off an opportunity because you don't ever know where it's going to land you. Even things that you don't necessarily deem as successes when it's over, it gets you to a new place. It allows you to meet a new person. And I've always found that there's some, some um, you know, glimmer of light no matter how it kind of actually turns out. Um, so, yeah, so I, I totally agree. Now, one thing your, your listeners might be interested in is, you know, how do you actually have a personal life when you do all this, which is the other yeah. part of the piece that I'm trying to, like, figure out, right? Like, so, you know, I, I just met the man that I hope is, you know, my forever man and the man of my dreams. And, and that job, you know, adding that to the mix makes things a little bit more difficult because they require time, right? And I don't have much right. of it. So, you know, any suggestions on that front, like for people like you who have very long successful relationships, I'm, I'm open to hearing. <laughs> well, okay, so my, my suggestion is, is to be open to letting each other be who they are, right? Don't try to make anybody be who you think they should be. Um, and, and, you know, and the other thing is, I mean, the, the wonderful thing about about my husband and, you, you know, is that um, he, he, he is so supportive, you know, and I think for somebody like you, that's what you need. You know, my, my, I always, I've always felt like my husband is my biggest cheerleader and I'm, I'm his biggest cheerleader. And I, and I think that that, that's what it requires, that and, you know, flexibility, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that's that's something that you that you guys have, and and even if you don't right now, it's something that you can you can strive, you know, you can strive to find and and get. So okay, so back back to um, the, that's that's one of Merle's pearls, but um, <laughs> what, 
What, so, so what role does diversity, inclusion, and equity play in, in how you walk through life? I guess it doesn't have to be a huge part of everyone's existence who is a minority, but I would hope that it is. Um, um, you know, what I think of when I was considering what law firms to go to, for example, it, like the main question was, do you have any black partners in your office? Um, and the two firms that I whittled it down to, or actually the three firms, each had one. <laughs> now, it's not a lot, right? But the other right. has zero. Um, so, so I know from a very personal perspective that, like, having the bodies and the numbers are important for many reasons, including for um, making other people who feel like they identify with that person feel welcome. Um, so that's kind of number one, and it's always been a big kind of push on my end to get qualified um, minority candidates through the door because we need them in order to kind of change the, the numbers that we're now seeing in, in the law firms. Um, still to this day, even with me 12, 12 years later, our numbers are still the same or, or falling below what they were when I started. Um, the inclusion part, I think, is, is where we're really starting to hopefully gain some traction. I know my firm in particular has, has implemented a lot of kind of um, ways like doing affinity groups um, that allow people of certain communities to really have support networks in ways that they never had before. I think, you know, the numbers, having actual bodies there helps with that, right? But just kind of the outlook on like, yeah, people are here, but how do we help them succeed? I mean, one thing that I've always noticed, um, but was talking to other colleagues at other firms as well, is our black young associates aren't getting as much work um, right. as you know, their, their counterparts. And so why is that? There's so many reasons for that, right? Like, um, but, you know, part of not feeling included in a group um, makes it, you know, less likely that you're going to come up to some stranger's, stranger partner's office and say, hey, I need some work, right, because you don't feel comfortable in that environment to begin with. So it has so many ramifications, um, and I know for me um, that's something that I've really kind of tried to work hard on in these last couple years. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping it's working. I feel like we're, we're kind of monitoring it and people are giving us great feedback, so that's great. And, and one way we've kind of done that, um, I know from, from my personal experience, is we're becoming less reliant on like what your specific office, like Los Angeles or New York can do, but what we can do as a firm as a whole. So we've been doing a lot of events where we're flying out, you know, all of the black uh, partners and associates to one location so that they can gather and it doesn't have to just be office specific, right? And so you're kind of developing those relationships. We're in, a, we're in an environment where we have, you know, a global economy where our clients are all over the country, so why aren't we kind of getting our associates together all over the country, right? So, so yeah, no, I think it's, it's very important and, um, and you know, it, it, as, as you know, the statistics are clear. It doesn't just help, you know, the people in my position. It helps the business. So I'm hoping we can continue right. to get better. Right. Cool. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I have one, I'm going to put you on the spot one last time. And um, 
can you tell, do you have a, a, a little story or illustration you can give us about a time when you insisted on being uniquely you? I have a, a, a fun story I guess I can share. Um, I remember my first um, mock jury exercise. So we had a team of um, lawyers who were um, in front of a jury room, a, a, a fake jury room, right? Um, trying to advocate for one side or another. And I had a very small role, but I was looking at everybody going in front of me and they were, you know, very conservative lawyers who stood at their podiums and, you know, spoke in like monotone voices <laughs> and, you know, never moved. And I got up and tried to imitate that because as a young lawyer, I was like, well, I guess this is how big lawyers and law firms do it, right? right? And I felt like it fell like completely flat. Like I was just like, this is not me. I don't think this worked. And it, it went fine. Everybody said I did a great job. But I remember the next jury exercise I went into and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't think that last presentation worked for me. I'm just going to be myself, which included like walking around and clearly and, you know, making kind of some jokes every once in a while. I think I even did like a scream as a part of one of my presentations. <laughs> and I got like the best ever response from like the jury feedback. And like my numbers were triple what all of the partners' numbers were on their presentation. And it just was like, you know, confirmation for me that like, I can't be somebody else like that. People are going to see that as like not authentic and not credible and I can right. do it and I'll do well enough, but like being me is actually what's like the value add and I can never kind of put that on the back burner. So that was like a good lesson for me in real kind of data. Um, and of course, my my um, colleagues' faces when I did my revised presentation was a little bit shocked. Um, <laughs> so no, no one can fight the numbers. Like the numbers said what they said, and the jury loved me. So you know, what are they going to say at the end of it, right? Numbers don't lie, and I think that is a perfect illustration for for this podcast. And and you know, I knew that you would have something fascinating. To fascinating to share and I had no doubt that, that it would be inspirational to our audience and and I think you know we'll end there I just want to say thank you to you Sierra for for being here to BS with me today and um, uh, hopefully you'll come back again I would love to thank you so much Merle yes and thanks to everybody for listening take care Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. We hope you enjoyed the stories shared in today's episode of BS, Beyond Stereotypes. Join us next time when another authentic personality unleashes their uniqueness on the world.